Well, it's Wednesday, and time for our midweek Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Savalero, and this episode of the Inside EMS podcast is sponsored by Boundary Medical. Learn how Boundary can help you save minutes and lives at Boundary.com. Here is a man that's always saving lives and minutes, my good friend Kelly Grayson, KG. How have you been the past few days? Uh, I've been good, man. I'm, I'm taking some, some much needed time off uh, or making use of my days off for leisure rather than, than nibbling away at the honeydew list. I think I got most of the honeydew list knocked out the other day. So hmm. I got to put the jet ski in the water today and get some sun and some oh, water. Very nice. Very nice. Is it hot down there? It's freezing up here. It's like 40 degrees. It's- it's still it's it, it was unseasonably cool, which means that it's in the seventies. Yeah, okay, and you still got in the water. So what do you got? Like a lake you got down there that you go and? Uh... Oh man, it's it's South Louisiana. We got we got bayous and rivers and lakes, and and you can't drive very far and not hit a, a decent body of water. Hmm. So we took uh, the we I have not been down the Mermintal River before, so. Uh, we took the jet ski in the water in, in Mermintal, Louisiana, and traveled south and, and uh, just to see where it went. And it turns out it, uh, it opens up on Lake Arthur in a fairly short little drive. Uh, and we sat on the dock of one of our favorite restaurants and, and ate Subway on the dock of the restaurant because, it, you know, of course, the restaurant's closed until at least the 15th. But we, at least we got to go to the regatta and, and eat a meal, uh, mm. which we have missed. <laughs> Sitting on the dock of the bay, eating the subway, watching the tide roll along the way. And then I watch it roll away again. There you go, man. Sing it, girl. So, you know, Kelly, I think that, uh, you know, we have been talking about COVID and, you know, we are starting to see a little bit of the, um, you know, the city starting to open back up. Uh, A lot of the cities are reporting that the curve is bent. Uh, There was some concerns, I think, that uh, we have to worry about that the uh, virus doesn't spike back up. There's a lot of people who are getting back out into the communities who aren't following social distancing. They're not following wearing of the masks. Uh, I saw a picture on CNN the other day as I was perusing the news channels of a physician who took a picture inside a United Airlines flight from New York to San Francisco with with no masks, right? And uh, so those are the challenging things that I think we've got to worry about. And uh, we do want to continue our COVID coverage, but I think we want to spend some time with just a uh, little pat on the back for uh, you and I as co-hosts of the show, as well as the people who have given us the honor to say this, that the Inside EMS podcast has been going on for over six years, over 400 episodes, and now the milestone, we have over 1 million listens of our show and Kelly you know when we first talked about this way back when in uh, in Lake of the Ozarks Missouri yeah. sitting in front of the fireplace with Artsia mm-hmm. did we ever think that we'd have over a million listens and 400 shows we were just trying to get out of that uh, weekend of uh, teaching um, and the way you were looking at me like we were going to be picking out furniture in the morning um, <laughs> but here we are man six years later yeah, six years. How many shows? 300 and what? No, 449. 449, 449 shows and 1 million listens. I'm conflicted, man, honestly. Uh, I'm proud that we uh, of our longevity and, and our popularity and the fact that, that over a million 
times people have listened to our podcast. Uh, on the other hand, uh, six years with you represents the third longest relationship of my life, and I'm I, I really I, I that's kind of depressing, man. <laughs> well, it shouldn't be, man. It's, it's it's it. This is the way I would look at it. You've learned a lot not to push the people who care about you away. How about that? <laughs> I've I've learned not to push you away. And even though you're not nearly as good looking as my first two relationships, um, I I haven't pushed you away. That's right. And uh, that's, Maybe that's because it's a it's a it's a bromance. Whatever it is, man. It's but that's a romance, that's all know? it's going to be. So quit quit looking at me like that. But you know, <laughs> Kelly, I think that uh, you know, spending just a couple of minutes, I'd really be interested, you know, just to kind of talk about the show. And I think that we need to do really more in depth that we're going to look at, uh, you know, as we want to go over the show a little bit more in depth to kind of talk about the highlights and talk about some of our favorite guests and even maybe some of the low points that we've had to talk about. You know, I think that uh, as we think back over the seven years, we've seen a lot of great EMS leaders that have come on to this show and given us mm-hmm. their expertise and given us such value in the messages that they've had to give us. And some of the great EMS leaders in our career field, uh, you know, we think about, you know, Dan Limmer and we think about Peter Antevi and we think about uh, Brian Fass and we think about, uh, you know, uh, you know, Dr. Catherine Counts and of course our own Greg mm-hmm. Freese. And, you know, uh, when we think about all those folks that have had some great value to share and taking time out of their busy day. I mean, who the heck are we? We're just two guys trying to make a difference in patient care and in EMS education and leadership. But they dedicate their uh, time to us to give us their value and give us their knowledge. And it's truly just been a blessing for that to, uh, to you know, kind of hear from them. Yeah. yeah and a, a, a veritable who's who of, of EMS uh, notables uh, have appeared on the show. And uh, I'm immensely proud of that. Uh, and the fact that they've added value to to what we, you know, the fact that we have a million listens, um, normally to hear these people or to, to read their work, you have to go to one of their publications uh, or you have to go to a conference where they're they're uh, speaking. Yet you and I, you know, what the premise for our show has always been two guys sitting in the front of the ambulance talking about our profession and, and just rapping and uh you know, giving giving uh, these guys a, a broader audience than just the small fraction of, of EMS providers that attend conferences or read the trade magazines, um, you know, and, and <clears throat> this being podcasting, you know, we, we kind of appeal to a little bit younger demographic in EMS, and many of these guys don't know who, you know, uh, Dan Lemmer is, you know, other than a, 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 a disembodied name on the front of their textbook. Uh, so, so that sort of thing has been has been really uh, a huge privilege uh, to to get these guys uh, bring them to a broader audience, and uh, I hope that continues for another. I don't know. I don't know about six years, man. I, I uh, um, you're going to start getting gray. You're already bald. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to be around when the wrinkles start to take over and and the, the Sevalero face starts to melt, man. You've already got the furniture disease where your chest is sinking into your drawers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to hang around for the end, man. You don't want to be around for my senility. Uh, that's right. You'll be uh, giving the eulogy at my uh, 
uh, at my uh, you know funeral where you say this is Kelly Grayson, the host of the Inside EMS podcast, and today we we'll catch you guys except Chris <laughs> next week. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, you, you know, you think about it from a standpoint. What is the end game? And and you know, you and I have kind of talked about it. But we need to probably think about mentoring the next uh, set of leaders, uh-huh. next set of hosts for the Inside EMS podcast. That's right. And uh, think about passing that along and uh, or whatever that looks like. But I'm not ready to talk about it yet. So if you think about, you know, just spending a couple more minutes on this topic. But, you know, did you have a favorite guest that if you were going to put your finger on or do you have favorite episodes? I got to tell you, man, when you go through the archives and you look at some of these shows, and, uh, you know, it might be fun just to pull out one of the, the first shows, one of the first couple shows, just to kind of play it for the listeners so they can go back. Uh, but when you think about 400 shows, we have talked about a lot of things. And But have you, uh, you know, the, the very first show we, we did six years ago, and it was April 3rd was the very first show of uh, 2014, um, you know, was the mudslide in Washington State. Uh-huh. And uh, was the first thing that we kind of talked about. But um, do you have a favorite show that you could put your finger on or a favorite I, guest that you enjoyed talking to? Man, it's, it's like uh, asking to pick your favorite child. Um, uh, it, it's hard to do. Uh, I've had some favorite guests. Well, wait know. a minute. You've only got one child. So how hard, can, right. that, how can, how hard can that be for you? That's, well, I've only got one child that I know about. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't want to say that. Um, but that's the standard line, isn't it? But um, no, I mean, it would it would be hard to pick out one show. Um, uh, favorite guests, you know, listening to to having Dan come on and, and listening to the way he um, the way his mind works at making EMS education uh, more interactive and and you know, less challenging the dogma of EMS uh, education. That's always a treat. Uh, um, talking to to uh, subject matter experts like Tom Boothaway, you know, and and Catherine Counts makes you makes you 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 know take a a uh, keener eye toward research and and data uh, and how important that is in, in driving uh, our practice in EMS. Uh, so those kind of things, the people that made me um, reevaluate my positions on things and kind of challenged me or, or uh, brought me a new perspective. And there have been so darn many of them, man. I just, I, I really, um, I really couldn't pick out one. How about you? Man, I, I mean, I've enjoyed so many great people that have well, come on the show. Well, when you're on with me week after week, you know, any show with me is, is, is hard to pick out a favorite, right? But I think that if I have to... <laughs> Look at some of the, you know, I enjoy the Honorable Ray Bereshansky when he comes on. He always kind of gives us some great enlightenment. You know, I think that, uh, you know, Donnie Richards, when he came on to talk right. about the Brattleboro retreat, uh, when we were talking about that from uh, that standpoint, um, you know, we've had the opportunity to talk to a lot of people and we've had a few of those reoccurring guests. None of those Alec uh-huh. Baldwins that are like the the top uh, Saturday Night Live hosts that have, uh, who's got the lead on that? I don't know who the, the lead guest would be. Um, but I, I think that there was just, uh, you know, just so many great uh, guests that have given us so much. And, um, you know, it's just grateful for them to do that. But, you know, I think the show that continually sticks out for me, and uh, I think about this every so often, 
as I get into the EMS one and start to do some reading. The one that still to this day gives me a little bit of, uh, uh, I don't know, discomfort to think about is the show we had to do about Brian Fass. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, we had just, we had just, talked, yeah, we had just talked a, a week or so before that. And to hear of his passing, um, his dedication to the career field. I mean, this is a guy that could have went anywhere that he needed to go to share his knowledge and to share his, uh, you know, gift of, uh, of uh, nutrition and, and of uh, physical fitness and his passion for it. Uh, after doing, uh, you know, being an EMS, uh, but he stayed in the career field that he loved, and he offered that up. Uh, you know, we know what a great guy he was. He was on our show multiple times, and mm-hmm. we joked with him constantly about uh, what is it? His um, I don't want. I'm not going to drink your almond flavored sadness water. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it would it would it's uh, not milk if it doesn't have nipples. I'm sorry, it's nut juice. <laughs> And he would, and he would laugh, you know, but, uh, he would, I had a big thing with him one day about eating, um, uh, quinoa. And I was like, it's like someone put dirt in my mouth. Like I'm eating fricking grass, you know? And, but, um, you know, that one still bothers me, man, only because, you know, it was truly a one day you're here, the next day you're gone. And it must've been maybe 10 days that I had talked with him about coming back on. And, uh, when I first heard it. Uh, I don't even remember how. I think it was a notification from EMS One or EMS World or something like that. You sit there and you're like, "There's no way." I mean, it's just there's no way. And uh, but we've lost a lot of friends over the years who have, uh, you know, uh, been mentors and peers and role models for us. And we're having to, uh, you know, bring that up on the show and kind of talk about it. It's been a little bit different, but. you know, that's a little bit of a sad note, but I, w- I do want to change focus, Kelly. Mm-hmm. And I do think we have something else that we want to talk about. And I'm going to let you kick that off. But before we do that, as your partner in EMS for over 40 years, Boundary has made it their goal to provide you with more than just emergency medical supplies and equipment. Boundary partners with you to create efficiencies within your agency, streamline your operations, and help you find ways to make the most out of your budget. Your dedicated account manager will be your true partner, acting as your personal advisor to help you determine which solutions are right for you and your specific needs. To find out more or set up a new account, visit Boundtree.com or call 800-533-0523. Well, I guess the trip down memory lane is over, and we do have to start to talk about the uh, things that are going on COVID, and we try to stay up on as much of that stuff, Kelly, that we can. And uh, you came up with a great topic of the show, and uh, you know we talked about it before we started 449 shows, and you've come up with the uh, talking points for about 40 of those shows. Oh, and shut this, up! And That's this is true. and this is one of them. So uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, kick it to the audience and let them know what your thoughts are? Well, you know, it occurred to me um, uh, a few days ago that what is our new normal going to look like? Not just society. But specifically, EMS, what's the new normal for EMS going to look like uh, when, when the uh, coronavirus is not going to go away? It will become probably part of our yearly 
uh, flu or flu and cold season cycle, and there will be dips and valleys, but it's not going to go away uh, unless or until we develop a vaccine for it and people are actually compliant with that vaccine, uh, uh, which is no guarantee. But I think, you know, Chris, and by what's the new normal going to look like, I'm not talking about operationally, I think that any EMS leader or, or operations manager or anyone practicing EMS, if you haven't learned hard lessons uh, from operationally about decontamination and supply uh, of your PPE and, and the kind of logistics that you're going to need in place for the next time this happens, and there will be a next time, may not be coronavirus, but there will be another pandemic. Um, if you haven't learned any lessons uh, and, and implemented them in future planning, you're, in, quite frankly, an idiot. Um, but what I want to talk about is, is how is EMS fundamentally, practice-wise, staffing and deployment-wise, education-wise, how is it going to look after we're done? Um, I think we've discovered uh, the, the potential um, of online education and distance education uh it's it's not a new thing but we've finally started to uh adopt it on a broader scale because quite frankly some people that were were not into that sort of thing have had to um and and many ems uh bureaus or ems offices in states uh around the country are are have acknowledged the fact that, hey, we can't, you know, this archaic brick-and-mortar educational institution that we, we um, are clinging to, this old model we're clinging to, is not viable anymore for in the vast majority of cases. And, and uh, should it come back all the way? Should we embrace online education? Uh, how are we going to train? We got a massive shortage. We had a massive shortage of, of providers before uh, coronavirus. And now it's even worse, and we don't have enough educators uh, to to crank out the number of, of qualified EMTs, advanced EMTs, and paramedics that we need. Uh, who's going to do it? Uh, is it time for us to be a little less parochial about EMS education and and think about outsourcing? What do you think? You know, I think that when we look at what education is going to look like, I mean, it really does come down to... Uh, what's the best way to deliver that education? And you and I have talked a little bit about that over this concept. Last week, as a matter of fact, we opined on the fact of giving people a, a you know a, a provisional ticket after they get out of the after they get out of the courses, and then having them challenge the exam you know a year or so after that. And whether it is the uh, you know the cognitive exam or whether it's the psychomotor exam. I think what that does is, and I think that you have to up the game of those exams as well. And mm -hmm. uh, But when you start to think about it from an educational standpoint, you know, the knowledge broker business, and, you know, I've got a hand in that the knowledge broker side of yep. delivering leadership education, not just inside EMS, but outside EMS as well. In, uh, but one of the research, researches that I was doing, because I'm getting ready to develop a 12-week leadership course. And um, really, and this leadership course is dealing with self-leadership, self-mastery, uh, and your personal leadership journey, right? So as I start to do this, you know, this research on how to make this course 
you know, the, the pinnacle, the top notch. One of the things that I came across that was very, very interesting is that internet education has risen by 40% over the past six years and people are paying $536 million a day to get education on the internet. Wow. So when we think about it from an EMS standpoint of how are we going to deliver education, education's been going on. It seems that EMS mm-hmm. has been lagging behind oh, what yeah. everybody else has already known. So when we think about what the future of education is, we're passing what the future of education is, and we haven't gotten on that train yet. So I think the question isn't, does it have to be online education? The, the question is, how do we get on that train and give our workforce and give our career field the education that everybody else seems to be getting in the same mode that we haven't been giving it in? Now, I do think that it's a little bit more difficult to, uh, uh, when you start to think about the training of a certification, how do you make that happen? But Kelly, I'm sure in your uh, um, vision as being a preeminent uh, educator in our career field that have, that's teaching uh, EMTs and has taught paramedics, you had to think about how do I make this work, right? So how, how do you make yeah. it work? Well. You know, your, your comment about uh, EMS education lagging behind technology-wise, behind uh, just virtually everyone else, brings, brings to mind a quote from David Page way back in 2001. David gave a, a lecture at the GEMS conference in 2001, said, We, the students of today, attending schools of yesterday, are being taught by teachers of the past with methods from the Middle Ages and asked to solve the problems of the future. And that that's that's EMS education in a nutshell. And, and you know, we're we're still uh, a great many people are still clinging to this outdated education model um, that uh, and trying to create the the EMTs and paramedics of the future. And we don't even know what those are going to be. We're trying to create future providers, and we really don't know what those providers are going to be. It's a, it's a monumental task, um, and. I think that that we embracing the internet is uh, and and distance education and and uh, going away from the brick and mortar uh, model. Of the, it's never going to truly go away, um, but leveraging online education and and making it a um, more adaptable schedule and and model wise to our our workforce uh, is imperative. And and nothing has driven that home like this coronavirus you said uh um 40 of education would you say 40 percent of education is is online yeah so it's no it's increased risen yeah increased in the past Um, six years i would love to see how much i I would love to see a figure on how much it has exploded in the last two months oh i mean yeah well i mean i think that there's a couple things that you got to think about from the standpoint of people having the opportunity i could tell you this in the past two months of me being uh, just at home, I've bought four classes. So I bought a class on how to develop uh, landing pages. So as I now start to market uh, my courses, I need to develop landing pages. Uh, so I bought that course. I bought a course on how to um, uh, how to write ad copy. 
So mm -hmm. how do I get, make good headlines and how do I develop good ad copy? And uh, I almost, before this uh, podcast, spent money on learning how to play the piano. But I figured that that was, <laughs> was going to be a little bit more impulsive. And I needed to think about that a little bit more. But here's the Actually, challenge. That's like at 3 a.m., you've drunk a bottle of wine. Exactly. QVC that's right. Kind of that's right. Watched, watched Oprah on the OWN Network. But, you know, one of the things that I think is uh, interesting, too, though, is that people are being a little bit more uh, frugal with their money as well mm -hmm. because they're not, uh, they're not working. At EMS, we've had the opportunity to continue yeah. our work, but there's a lot of people out there. So when I think about putting out leadership content, I probably have to put out free leadership content and not ask people to go into their household money or go into their savings yeah. money uh, you know, they have to worry about that. But I do want to touch on this really quick because you actually brought this up before we started. And I think it's something that's in the news that we need to pay attention to. And this was out on the 6th of May on EMS One. Um, and U.S. Senator Bob Casey has proposed a program that's modeled after the GI Bill that would qualify first responders and healthcare workers on the front lines of the COVID 19 pandemic for nearly $10,000 per year over a four years for college. Now, $10,000 a year over four years, you know, that's not a lot of money, but it is enough to at least maybe get you started and get mm -hmm. a couple classes down. When we start to think about community colleges at $60 per credit, um, you know, that $2,500 gets you a lot of, uh, gets you a lot of uh, uh, credits. That'll um, get you a degree. If you're not if you're not living in resident, it's a major four year university. It'll get you a degree. Yeah, well, when you think uh, about when you think about yeah. it from a community college standpoint, Easily. you know you can get your associate's degree with you know five thousand dollars. You know if that right. Twenty uh, twenty five hundred for mine. Yeah, that's how much it costs. Yeah, so um, but you know this is another thing that uh, we applaud Senator Casey out of the uh, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And but one of the things that we have to be cognizant of is private EMS. Will they qualify for this, or is this just another thing for municipalities and fire-based systems? So when we think about that, the lawmakers are trying to come up. So when you talk about education, I think that piggybacks on this. Uh, we've got to be able to uh, um, you know applaud these lawmakers who are trying and who are thinking about the folks in EMS and first responders, but doesn't include everybody. Yeah. Well, well, in, in the article about uh, uh, Senator Casey's um, proposed legislation, he, he talks about he's casting a broad net here, uh, a very wide net. Um, EMS personnel, hospital workers, janitorial transport, laundry and food service workers, uh, employees in physicians offices and clinics, which are obviously not going to be municipal employees, home health care workers, nursing, nursing home and residential care employees and behavioral health service providers um, and that sort of thing. So I think he's casting a, a very broad, uh, wide net here. And, and uh, I think if, you know, when when someone has the opportunity to scrutinize his proposed legislation and make absolutely certain that it does uh, provide some uh provide uh, uh, those same benefits to people who would uh, who would go to to um, uh, who would work in, in private EMS as well. I, I don't think this is I, I'm not I have no way of knowing this for certain, but it, this doesn't have the sense to me of something like an incumbent worker training program where where people can take their employees and use these funds to train them up. It's it's just it's just funding 
to get people um, training in, in these various fields uh, so they can go to work somewhere. And, and I applaud uh, Senator Casey for that. This is not a new idea. Um, and, and you and I talked uh, on this show about a, a proposal for volunteer EMS. Um, and I think it came out of Pennsylvania as well. They're kind of forward thinking in that regard, it looks like, uh, uh, on offering college tuition and, and reimbursement and, and better incentives for volunteer EMS. Um, and I think, you, you know, uh, this is, is broadening it far beyond even that. Um, Hang on one second. I, I want to touch on something yeah. that every time you bring up volunteer, uh, I've always wanted to say this and I always get sidetracked and I, I, I want to stop and just give you a thought that and i'm we're getting a little bit off track here what we're talking about but i think that this is important we talk about what do we have to do to engage volunteers what we have to do to incentivize volunteers what do we have to do to make sure volunteers stay in our system and i want to give you this thought kelly grayson isn't our paid workforce volunteers too and I think, you know, I, I certainly think that there's a, a discussion and there's a debate on how this could go. But I want us to stop thinking about volunteers and paid as two different sets of people. I do think that people who give their time are someone that is uh, special, that needs special attention. Mm -hmm. But we need to think about our workforce as volunteers as well. Because just because we pay them doesn't mean they can't go to our competitors. Maybe they're going for 50 cents more an hour. Maybe we're going for 50 cents less an hour if they can't stand their leadership. But we will engage our workforce when we, thinking about, when we think about them as a workforce and not paid versus volunteer. I just had to get that out. I well, feel better. Yeah, I I'll let you go. I, I don't, I, I agree and disagree with you. Um, uh, I, I don't know that I would put it the way you did. Um, uh, first of all, Nancy, Nancy probably has figures on that because she, she lives by figures. Um, Nancy, what percentage of volunteer EMS providers work a, a paid job in EMS as well? You happen to remember? She doesn't. Uh, she's in the other room. <laughs> the, um, but, but a very high percentage of people who work volunteer jobs in EMS work as paid providers as well. But to your point of engaging our workforce and being more responsive to their needs and those things, those lessons are universal. Uh, the, the things that are, are, are necessary to create happy and engaged and, and productive employees in a paid workforce are a, the very things that are necessary to keep happy uh, engaged, participating volunteers. So, no, I don't think you should draw artificial lines. Uh, you just have the EMS workforce. Some of them just don't get uh, reimbursed for their time, um, but should certainly be awarded, rewarded in other ways. But if, if Senator Casey's um, uh, legislation takes off and, and gets more sponsors and they actually vote on this, I, I, I would support this. This is something that we probably need. And God knows, man, right now, the entire country is, is figuring out, if they didn't know before, uh, that, that uh, how essential our roles are. You know, we're, we're the forgotten public safety profession until someone breaks a leg or has a kidney stone or whatever. And then, then we're, we're important to that particular person. But I, I think people are trying, are, are starting to uh, understand the concept and the cost of readiness and uh, and it's it's going uh, 
uh, it, it's going to be something that that momentum that we can uh, we can build on. But lastly, what is uh you know what's going to change about our practice before we go to close? What's going to change about our practice uh, in EMS? Because you're seeing different staffing models, aren't you, Chris? You know, instead of medic, medic, you know, and 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 some volunteer uh, EMTs in in rural environments, and you got a medic fly car, and, uh, or in states where where uh, EMRs were non-existent uh, two months ago, now they brought them back, and and they need people to train EMRs because they just need meat in the seat, and they're discovering that hey, we can run medic EMT crew configurations, and and uh, a lot of these things that we were only allowing EMT medics to do. Uh, we're now because of coronavirus, we're letting uh, uh, EMTs do those things as well. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what our practice looks like uh, and how blurred the lines uh, between ALS and BLS and, and traditional paramedicine versus mobile and integrated health paramedicine uh, are going to look in the future. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. What's your agency doing with distance education? How are they leveraging the internet to meet your your agency's needs now that you can't meet in person? Um, We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Ceballero, two guys who've been social distancing for close to six years now. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.